I remember when I first saw your podcast pop up in my list of podcasts I might like. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is Nacho Kid? (laughs) I I caught the name play and I thought, well, that's kind of (laughs) rude. You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 125 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Thank you, David. Good evening, darling. How are you? I'm wonderful. Wonderful? Wonderful. Like winter wonderful land. (laughs) I think it's winter wonderland. (laughs) Oh, we're coming up on that time. We get to make Mm -hmm. Christmas jokes. Yeah, so I guess as this one comes out, it's like right before Halloween, right? The weekend before Halloween. Okay. Well, for a lot of people, that's when things start. Mm -hmm. Start seeing the trunk or treats. Well, I think Halloween is actually on a Sunday this year. Yeah. That's one of those things where, like most holidays, it started out as a single day, and somehow it's crept into multiple days or weeks, (laughs) kind of like Christmas turned into weeks at a time. Yeah, it's turned into fall festivals everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we we realized that um, once we started learning more about certain other cultures in the world, they start celebrating Christmas in September, mm-hmm. which blows my mind. But yeah. <laughs> They're getting ready. I know. But, you know, how many times do you hear us over in the United States talking about, you know, don't start Christmas stuff too early. Get burnt out on it. Well, Here, people are saying, oh, you're getting rid of Halloween and you're getting rid of Thanksgiving, but maybe other countries don't celebrate those two holidays. And think about it. They put their tree up and enjoy it for more than 30 days. Mm -hmm. A lot of people put their tree up two weeks before Christmas and take it down the week of New Year's. (laughs) Have you seen like the the Halloween trees? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. They're pretty cool. Yep. So there's, there's always a reason to put lights up. Yes, you could have an Easter tree, mm-hmm. a St. Patrick's Day tree, July mm-hmm. 4th, all kind of stuff. I always had the Valentine's lights in my room. <laughs> all right, we are not talking about that. And <laughs> by the way, David, you might want to know this. Your mama found out about the red light. Okay. Your sister told on you. Am I on restriction now? The look on her face was not good. <laughs> <laughs> she was talking to Kay and she said, you know what the red light means? I said, you ought to. It was in your house. (laughs) Y'all told on me. Yeah, we did. How about that? 35 years later, (laughs) she finds out. Threw you under the bus. You did. Oh, well. Uh So we might have to get a red light for your mama for Christmas. I'm just going to act like I have no idea what you guys are talking about. You're making making something up. Oh, she knows we're not making it up. Not Anyway, anyway, (laughs) let's get off this subject. I'm going to have nightmares. We have a new winner. Of the Sylvia Crack Hour Nacho Kids Academy Scholarship to announce. All right. All right. It is M M. M and M. M and M. You won. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes. You won a scholarship to the Nacho Kids Academy, courtesy of the Sylvia Crack Hour Scholarship. Nice. All right. See you on the inside, M and M. All right. Our guest today. Is stepmom on the crazy train in Southwest Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. She's been blending seven years. Stepson, 13. Bio son, 12. 
hardest part of her blend was desire to be a nuclear family mm-hmm. and the desire to be super stepmom. Yeah, those things can add a lot of undue stress to the relationship. Mm-hmm. She joined the Nacho Kids Academy, and life is good because she nachos. Good job. I wonder when you said that name about the crazy train, I'm like, wait a minute, I've seen somebody in the academy t- <laughs> with crazy train. That's her. <laughs> is it the same one? Okay, yeah. there you go. She created her own subgroup in the Nacho Kids Academy community. <laughs> For the crazy train women? For the crazy train. <laughs> and again, I have to apologize. Zoom put everything on one track. So there are three times you hear Zeba barking. <laughs> There are times that you hear this guest and I speaking at the same time, but I couldn't edit that out because then it wouldn't make sense. Right. So bear with us, folks. So folks, it's just like you're eavesdropping on a regular conversation. You get all the ambiance and the normal conversation stuff. Yeah. That reminds me of that time that you were doing training for how to, uh, it was Zoom etiquette, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So David's doing this presentation for Zoom etiquette for a boot camp that he was having. And during the middle of it, I scream, the dog got in the chicken. <laughs> and the dog really did get in the chicken. <laughs> yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. We can do some videos of you and um, and Tracy Porzner <laughs> doing your acting out. <laughs> hey, we can do my puppet show. Oh, my gosh. It's going to happen, David. <sighs> No, I got something. I got to talk to the listeners. You you can tune this out if you want to, Lori. Well, can you hurry up? So, guys, when we were talking about launching the academy, we were talking about how we were going to do, you know, the training courses and things like that, what format we would use. And, of course, I wanted to do video format because we, you know, the podcast, already audio. I want to do video format. There's a lot of value in seeing us in the interaction <laughs> <laughs> and the facial expressions. Um, and so it's, you know, I want to do video. And Lori, Lori does not like video. Lori doesn't like video because she doesn't like herself on video. Even though she's dropped dead gorgeous, she doesn't like seeing herself on video. So she comes up with this idea that she wants to do puppets, <laughs> a puppet show <laughs> of each course. And I'm like... No, we are not doing <laughs> puppet shows. <laughs> and she's got it all planned out. She goes through this whole thing about how we're going to have these, these puppet show training course. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. Made you laugh, uh, though, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, But I guess the whole time you're explaining it to me, the only thing I can think of is Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. <laughs> hey, that's what I was thinking when I was describing it. <laughs> it's the craziest thing ever. Uh, so maybe if you ever see, uh, you know, Nacho Kids Neighborhood, then that <laughs> would be that would be the the version that Lori put together with her puppets, the, the Nacho Kids Neighborhood. It'll be on every PBS station. <laughs> well, y'all think about this again. The little ice cream cone that everybody refers to as poop, the poop, poop emoji. Okay. Well, I've got one. You wind up. That was going to be BM, Biomom. You get it? <laughs> yeah, but that's not a puppet then. Now you have okay, a little wind on, up. Hang on. I'm not through. Okay, go ahead. And then the little unicorn that he looks all sweet and innocent, and you press his little button, and then he looks like the evil stepkid. 
<laughs> the stepkid's a unicorn? Yeah, the stepkid's a unicorn to the dad. Oh. Or, or the bio parent, I should say. Oh. And then when the bio parent turns their back, they turn into the evil corn. <laughs> the evil corn? Yes. <laughs> and when you slap them, it's called popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're getting delusional again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Anyway, I'm glad you yielded to my desire to do videos rather than puppet shows. I ain't done yet. Oh, I know. You ain't ever done. All right, let's get back to our guest before we have the, the Nacho Kids neighborhood idea. <laughs> <laughs> One interesting tidbit about this guest, her and her husband dated 20 years ago. Ooh, I thought she was going to say they've been dating for 20 years. No, they dated 20 years ago, split up because her parents wouldn't let her date him, and then they got back together. So all these years, they always had that, I wonder what would happen if. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. You have anybody like that in your life? No. Good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not talk about the past. That's one of the things that helped us make it through these 12 years, David. So I heard an interesting quote today. Oh, gosh. And it come from it comes from a movie called Magnolia, but I didn't hear it from Magnolia. I heard it from a podcast that referenced it. So I don't know what the movie's about. But the quote was, I'm done with the past, but the past ain't done with me. <laughs> <laughs> Still Magnolias. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And this one, they the guy, the podcaster said that the movie was Magnolia. But I've never heard of it, but they said that was part of the quote. I'm done with the past, but the past ain't done with me. Anyway, it was talking about somebody who did some bad stuff in his past and put it behind him, but it came back to bite him. <laughs> what was that thing Kay had us watching? The squirt games or something like that? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what? It's where those people would compete and they would die. It was the squid game. Oh, the squid game. <laughs> the squirt game. <laughs> 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 well, <laughs> I just knew it was squirt something. <laughs> squirt game. Bunch of people running around with water cannons. <laughs> okay, sorry I didn't know the name of it, but <laughs> I caught bits and pieces of it and I couldn't quit watching it. Yeah, no, that was, I have not seen all that yet, but apparently it's really good. And so I want to go back and watch it. Well, I know the ending, so I can't watch it. No. You can't. I'll watch it by myself. That's fine. You be, do you know how it got to the ending? Like, you don't care about how it got to that point? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I saw bits and pieces in between. It's not that hard to figure out. Okay. Okay. It's like it's like the Korean version of Saul. <laughs> well, for those that don't know, David likes these cartoon people. Like, what is it? The Marvel people? The cartoon people. <laughs> comics. Yeah. Well, there are cartoons. The, yeah, the superhero comic book movies. Okay. The Marvel Universe movies, yes. And see, Lori don't like that stuff. <laughs> and Lori don't like Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever that star stuff is either. So anytime those movies come out, I make him go, I'll buy his lonesome. Yeah. And, and trust me, I would rather do that. Otherwise, you know, we're in like movie eight of a series and she starts going, why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? I'm like, because you got to go watch the other 16 hours worth of movies to understand this. I'm, don't ask me questions. <laughs> don't bother me at all. Nope, me neither. Yep. Which is why I'll, I'll be going to see Spider-Man by myself. 
he'll say, do you want to go watch whatever? I'm like, nope. And it's okay, folks, because my husband doesn't make me do things I don't want to do. Because if he does, I will make it miserable for him. That's not entirely true. You do cook dinner sometimes. Not no more. I'm not showing again. <laughs> That's a whole other subject. Yep. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right. Anything else we got going on, David, that we need to mention? Uh, I don't think so. Um, oh, check out our Instagram. It's got a brand new look, folks, and it's spectacular and fabulous and loving it. That's true. So, yeah, we are doing some rebranding on some things. So you may see a new logo floating around and stuff like that. Things are a changing. Things are a changing, David, changing. That's right. All right. That's all I got. All right. Let's get into today's interview. But first, here's a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle step family challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have Stepmom on the Crazy Train in Southwest Missouri. Hey, Stepmom on the Crazy Train, how are you? Hey, Lori, I'm good. How are you? Good. How long have you been blending? Almost seven years. And how many stepkids, bio kids, hours kids, all that good stuff? I have a stepson who is almost 14, just within a couple of short weeks. And my bio son is 12. He just turned 12. So we just have the two between us. Okay. How often are they with you? My son is with me pretty much full time. He goes to his dad's every other weekend, but that's kind of a slow fade Mm -hmm. Um, throughout the years. It's just gotten less and less, or my son asserts his opinions on whether he wants to go or not. Sometimes his dad will make him and sometimes they won't. And then my stepson is 225. Okay. And every other, every other weekend. Does that make sense? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people do that 225 thing. Mm -hmm. Do you like that? Uh, <laughs> it depends on the day. <laughs> Sometimes I think seven on and seven off would be better. And I say that just from what my personal experience is and what I see my stepson go through. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I was married before with stepchildren years ago. Oh, okay. So this, isn't my, this isn't my first rodeo. And the, the first time I had two stepsons and they were with me every other day and every other weekend. And they were so full of turmoil because it was constant transition for them. They never got any stability. Yeah, there was no stability. And I thought, well, 225 will be a lot better. Actually, no, it's not. Because when my stepson is with us for two days before he's at his mother's five days, he doesn't allow himself to relax. He's in this constant on edge transition mode. And sometimes it'll be okay, but most times it'll be kind of like eggshells and Everybody's careful mm-hmm. <laughs> with how they approach it. Um, I guess my husband tried to go for that seven days on and seven days off, but bio mom just couldn't do without her son that long. So she said no. Wow. Now, I get that though. Do you understand where she's coming from with that? I do because when I was going through my divorce and we were trying to figure out what would be best for my son, I ended up moving and back home, which is like an hour away from where my husband and I had been living. And he didn't like it. He thought I was trying to take his kid away. And I'm like, no, this is home for me. 
and mm-hmm. I had to quit my job, all kinds of stuff. But anyway, we ended up with uh, every other weekend and he had weeknight visits and things like that. And oh, I tell you what, that first weekend he was gone. I cried and I cried. It was horrible. I was all the time wondering, is he okay? Is his dad remembering this or that? Or, yeah. you know, and I get, I get that it's tough. I really do. I really do. But it, it kind of went above and beyond that for her. So we had some issues where she was literally calling 24 seven when my husband and I started dating to the point where he had to disconnect his home line. It was disrupted. It was, it was kind of crazy. And then when she would talk to him, it wasn't, I miss you. You know, how you doing, buddy? It was, who's there? Who cooked? Was it good? What did you, where'd you go? Yeah, it was like this um, investigation <laughs> yeah. for him, which, which put him in a terrible position of uh, loyalty binds, I guess you could say. Yeah. Now, you've got something interesting. You and your husband dated a long time ago. Yes, ma'am. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, it's kind of funny. So at 17, I started working at our local bank. And uh, in our where we're from, literally everybody's related or we've known each other for generations. Not joking. And I knew who my husband now, significant other guy I had a crush on. We'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, um, we just lived down the street from each other. Like I remember being this 11-year-old little girl and him and his brother climbing on the bus because he got grounded from his car, you know, <laughs> and thinking he was the cutest thing ever. But he came into the bank one day and uh, just leaned on the counter and he had this leather jacket on and had these sunglasses and he popped them off and he pulled this Joey Tribbiani, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and Oh my goodness, all of my coworkers gave me such a hard time. Like, ah, he, he pulled a Joey. <laughs> um, so we, we dated off and on. My parents weren't a fan because we were raised differently as far as what churches we went to. Mm-hmm. And so to be with someone outside of your culture with church was ground upon. Mm-hmm. So I tried uh, dating him behind my parents' back, which didn't work. You know, whenever your mom's best friends, they would uh, see my car parked at his shop and they would call my mom. I thought she wasn't supposed to be singing here. <laughs> um, was it a big religious difference? No, it was just some really, well, I guess you could say different ideologies. And um, again, it goes back to being in the area that we're from, everybody knowing everybody for generations. So if you do anything wrong, it's this person did this horrible thing 20 years ago and that you're kind of walking around with your scarlet A for the thing that you did. And um, so because of something that his parents had done years ago, my parents were like, Mm-mm. you know, <laughs> that means he's probably just like him. And I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> really? He, he loves Jesus. He's a good guy. But it didn't work out because I was still living at home. And I was actually, I was grounded on my 19th birthday because I snuck out on a date with him. Oh. It was the funniest thing because I lost my car privileges except to go to work and I was 19. And so everybody gave me the biggest sign. They're like, are you serious? You know, you're an adult. I'm like, yeah, but I still live at home. <laughs> so, yeah. so I more or less talked to him and said, hey, you know, while I live at home, this is my parents' request. And I found out later on, my husband had never been told no. And he was dumbfounded because I kept throwing out hints like, but I don't care what daddy says. 
you know, I can <laughs> find a way to make it work. I was hoping he would be like the guy on the pirate ship in the prairie, you know, and come to my rescue and be mm-hmm. like, well, it doesn't matter what anybody says, you know, we'll do our own thing. And that never happened because he was like, oh, well, this is different. And we went our own separate ways. And yeah, after we both went through a pretty nasty divorce, I think he was alone for four to five years. And I was on my own for about a year and a half before we became reacquainted and decided to give it another shot. What did your parents think when you started dating him again? <laughs> um, it actually wasn't very good. Uh, <laughs> they still didn't I, let go of it, did they? No, no, ma'am, they didn't. Um, it wasn't very good. I had actually moved in with my parents during my divorce because I had to quit my job. So I didn't really have any place to go. And I was working for my dad at that time. So (laughs) I got a lecture every day at work. It was very stressful. So I ended up finding my own apartment. And even then, it was still strained. But it's really weird. It's like after we got married, they're like, well, okay, we can all be friends now. And my husband's scratching his head like, oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) No. Well, but that's good that they finally let it go. uh, Yes and no. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah, uh, it's it's really interesting. Let's see. Uh, there was a lot of hurtful things said before we got married. Like I was told that I was going to go to hell and I was going to drag my kid with me. And oh if they God. yeah, and if they showed up at my wedding, they were going to stand up and correct the pastor if he said anything wrong. And and I was like, Ooh, well, that's my wedding, and y'all can't do that. <laughs> so did they come to your so wedding? Long, no, no. Um, I told them they couldn't do that. And they said, well, we're going to do it anyway. And I said, well, you can't come to my wedding and do that. So they did not come. Wow. Yeah. It's hard for me because I I didn't want the day to be disrupted for my husband either. So it's like, well, if y'all are going to do that, then you can't come. Right. And I think, I think my mom wanted to, but it just ended up being an awkward thing. So still don't agree with divorce and remarriage, even if it's a biblical (laughs) reason. Um, mm-hmm. so any, any hardship that we have faced was, well, that's because it's a consequence because you wrote God's rules. So that mm. was kind of a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> like oh, always. <laughs> so I think it's because they're my parents, you know, I, it's easier for me to forgive and kind of try to re-engage off and on. Yeah. I still definitely. try to be, yeah, I still try to be really careful with one of them. Um, there's just certain things we don't talk about and they'll still try to, <laughs> overstep on a a lot of things so I just I don't want to say I I gray rock them but there's times where I have to limit interaction because it's just not healthy it's kind of toxic Mm -hmm. I get that I really do I hate that y'all went through all that but I'm glad y'all were together (laughs) Yeah, yeah I know 20 20 years later here we are yes so you've also had some interesting things happen with bio mom (laughs) yeah yep we sure have She's very high conflict. Yes, ma'am. Very, very high conflict. Um, I would say, though, within the last few months, it's not been as high conflict as it has for the last six years. So, What changed? uh, Well, I think, in my personal opinion, nachoing is what changed it. Um, But there are some extenuating factors that nobody has control over, and that's there's true mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, when I was helping my husband clean out our upstairs so we could transfer the boys' things there after we got married, she was a, a hoarder. 
and there were still piles of things everywhere. And we found medical records and appointment cards and things showing where she had bipolar disorder. And my husband never knew that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He just, the situation was pretty volatile. Like she was physically and psychologically abusive Mm -hmm. to my husband. And, you know, being a guy going through that, that's pretty emasculating. It's not like he wanted to go tell other people, hey, you know, I'm being abused. But some of it was so blatant and public in front of family members towards the end that they realized what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So our our whole town pretty well knows. So anyway, um, I would say, because I have friends and people that I used to work with that also had the same diagnosis. And I learned a long time ago that that's not an excuse to treat people icky or to be off the chain Mm -hmm. because there is help out there. There is medication. There are things available to help. And one in particular would have trouble with their medication, one of my friends, and it would kind of, they would spiral, you know, they'd have an episode because their medication wasn't right. Mm -hmm. Or, or the other (laughs) was, oh, I feel so great. I don't need my medicine anymore, which, um, I see a lot of that over the years. It's kind of a cycle, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we do have episodes, we kind of are like, okay, now, did we contribute to this? Or is this one of those? Maybe she is having trouble with her medicine or she decided not to medicate because that's always a possibility. Right. And my sister was bipolar and, oh, goodness gracious. In one phone call, it would go from, I love you. You're the best sister in the world to you're a piece of crap and I hate you and wish you were never born. You're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, and I feel so bad when, when you encounter that because it is whiplash for everyone around you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they can't help it. So you're like, okay, there's a fine line here between boundaries and, and you know, understanding <laughs> what mm-hmm. they're going through. But no, some of it, we know it's a hereditary thing from both sides of her family. Mm-hmm. And anyway, uh, it's before we knew that though, some, some kind of crazy, funny things happened. And I had someone ask me and you still got married. Yeah. She tried to run I you over this. or something. Didn't she? <laughs> Twice. Uh, I, I, uh, the first time I kind of questioned if it was accidental because we were on a highway, my son and I heading to a, a town close by and she liked to ate my bumper in the vehicle behind me. And then when she got beside me to pass me, she like jerked her wheel, you know, to try to push me over. (laughs) Yeah. um, But it was, uh, I told my husband, I was just floored. And he goes, that was just a scare tactic. He said, she's a bunch of hot air and she wouldn't really do anything. And I was like, well, that seems kind of, hmm. So I just sat on it for a couple of days. And then after that, I had another incident. It was close by. Um, I think, were we, did we just get engaged maybe? I don't know. We had a a date and it was probably close to midnight whenever I was driving through to my apartment. He lived in the country and I lived in town. And when I say in town, it's like one main street with one blinking light, you know, Mm -hmm. teeny tiny. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, got to the blinking light and I noticed she was at the post office at midnight putting something in the box. And I thought, well, that's strange. Anyway, she recognized me. And when I passed, I just looked in my rear view mirror like you do when you're driving to check. And she's standing in the middle of Main Street with her hands on her hips, mean mugging me. And I thought, <laughs> oh, 
okay, whatever. So two blocks later, I pulled into uh, my apartment and thought, oh, I, I need to check one more thing before I get out. I just had that feeling. And she clipped my mirror. <laughs> there was no reason for her to go down my road, none whatsoever. And I heard the truck engine and I was like, holy cow, what, what in the world? And there was paint missing on my, my mirror. So if I would open my door, I would have been ran over. And yet somehow, because of my husband trying to tell me, well, she didn't, you know, she wouldn't really, she's just trying to get you to leave because she wants to have control. Months later, I talked to someone who used to work in the police department. They were like, you should have at least filed a report. Not like they would have done anything, but it should have been on record. And that way, if you got killed later, they could look back at her. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was starting to question that. But it was the craziest thing. But during that process, I started learning how abusive she was to my husband, psychologically and physically. And it really broke my heart because I didn't know that it was that bad. He let me see his email folder where he kept all their communications over the years. And I went back, I went back all the way to the beginning and just started reading through it. And you could see this progression of when things started changing. And it was just heartbreaking. Um, but I didn't realize it started extenuating to my stepson until after we got married, which my husband's philosophy for years had been, he couldn't call the cops on his son's mother because his son was dealing with enough trauma from a divorce. He didn't need to see his mom hold off and handcuffed. That Mm -hmm. was his mentality of not reporting things. And I later learned because his attorney is now my attorney that she had tried to encourage him from the get-go to file stuff just to have proof and he wouldn't. So Hmm. so now we're just kind of stuck. There's not really anything we can do because a year or two ago, we had to get some legal advice on a situation that seemed to be escalating with my stepson. And they were like, you know what? Because he chose not to document things. There's not a thing that we can do. As a matter of fact, if you try to do something now, your husband's going to get in just as much trouble. Mm -hmm. For not documenting it before. Right. For not documenting it before. And it wasn't like there's physical abuse going on. And in the, through that whole situation that we did find out, my stepson was fibbing about things. So, but the things he was telling us were happening. We had either personally experienced from her or had documentation of her doing it to my husband through email. So Mm -hmm. now your stepson has some, medical challenges too. Yes, actually. Yeah. But we didn't know it. If I look back, there were red flags, but you know, when you're crazy, stupid in love, you ignore the red flags Mm -hmm. and you think things will get better. And of course for us, we're like, well, we love Jesus. So when we get married, it'll just be fine. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was probably the dumbest thing we ever thought. Um, (laughs) But uh, like when we were dating or something, he would, my stepson would come over and, and sit on my knee when his dad was watching and he'd grin real big. And then daddy would turn around and he would like try to, he would squeeze my hand or hurt me. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, yeah. And I remember trying to say something to my husband then and he's like, oh, he didn't need anything. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. He purposely looked at me and did the mean mug face and then did the mean thing that tried to hurt me. Mm-hmm. And that happened just, I don't know, two or three times. And the I had started educating myself then on, there were a few blended family articles, I think, on Focus on the Family that I had read. And I was like, oh, well, you know, 
remarriage and all that isn't as happy for kids as it is for, you know, those getting married because they're grieving their parents not being together. So he's probably just loyalty issues and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I chalked it up to. But the week after we got married, bio mom drove in front of our house nonstop because we wouldn't pick up the phone. We were having family game night. Mm-hmm. And she she showed up and tried to pull stepson outside. She was drunk. She smelled like she had smoked a few joints too. And again, the, the cops weren't called because my husband's like, nope, you're, if you do this again, then I'll call the cops. You know, that right. was always turn out. And I think she was just seeing if he'd do it. But anyway, my stepson was so devastated. He curled up in a ball and cried on the couch the rest of the night when his mom did that. And he was never the same after. It's like he completely shut down the will or the want to, to try to like me or allow me in. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, behaviors became really erratic. <laughs> and I kept trying to tell my husband, I'm like, Hey, look, dude, I know I'm an only child, but I have like, you know, eight cousins on each side of the family. And my parents were youth pastors and we were around kids all the time. And I said, these things are just a little bit extreme. The anger outbursts mm-hmm. or the noise making. I know kids are noisy, right? We all know kids can be noisy, but these were like stemming things. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he would never stop. And he was getting in trouble at school for like anger outbursts. And you could tell him the same thing 9,000 times and it just wouldn't make a dent. And then by the time he'd get in trouble, he'd melt into a puddle on the floor. And sometimes he still wouldn't get why he got in trouble. Right. Because it's like he didn't hear anything anybody said. And we had been told from very many different people, he needs to be tested. He needs mm-hmm. to be tested. And my husband was brought up kind of like I was, that, you know, mental health issues were just spiritual issues. And it means your kids need to be um, disciplined more because there's no such thing as like ADHD. That's kids. That's people who gave their kids Ritalin because they didn't want to spank them. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is different. So it didn't get dealt with until I began Nacho. Things were so bad. I think in the little form that I filled out for you, you asked what was the best advice I'd been given. And that was from my counselor <laughs> telling mm-hmm. me that basically we needed more help than she could give us and that I had to find someone who qualified in blended family stuff. But the one thing she did tell me that I didn't put there was your stepson needs to be tested. And so does your husband. And she looked at me, she goes, and maybe you and your son too. I was like, yeah, Yeah, you're thinking what lady? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I had started disengaging. One of the first things that I put down by just following the the macho blog that you have, I decided that I was not going to be left alone with my stepson anymore because he would do things to me and my son, sometimes physical, we're talking about like just fishing, stepping on toes or things like that. And then whenever I would tell my husband this had gone on, he would, his kid would have a meltdown and no, I didn't. And he'd believe his kid over me. And I thought, nope. Because, you know, I was silly, stupid, super stepmom who came in wanting to fill in all the parenting gaps. And so I watched him by myself. I was the summer daycare. I took him everywhere. And the last year that I did that, I literally couldn't do anything else at home when he was home. Mm-hmm. I just had to watch him and my son from around the corner because I didn't want him to be physical with my son because he would deny everything that my kids said he did. Mm-hmm. So 
I was constantly watching and, and playing referee. And then when I, I didn't get believed over a child, <laughs> I thought, uh-uh. Nope, I think for sure nacho is what I need to do. So anyway, my husband decided to go on a family camping trip. And I said, you know, I'm just not ready to do that yet. Not ready to do that. I'm going to stay home and you can have a boys weekend. And it'll be so great because you guys can do all the boys stuff that I don't like to do. Mm-hmm. It'll be great. Have fun. And somewhere in there, I got a message how his child was awful and it was horrible. <laughs> and <laughs> And when they pulled in the driveway two days later, my husband's face said it all. He walked in the door and he looked at me and he goes, I'm making an appointment for him this week. He's got to be tested. This is horrible. And a lot of times it's because when the stepmom or even the stepdad says something about the stepkids, it distracts the bio parent from what the stepkid is doing or the struggles they may have. And it turns it to, you're complaining about my kid. Right. Well, I was so desperate to try to figure out what the heck was going on. Goodness, I was talking to every family member I could. I'm like, so has Stepson always been like that, you know? And I learned that he had had trouble with bullying, bullying from preschool on up. And even during family dinners, everyone's like, oh my goodness, he's extra. You know, we dread it when we have get togethers because we know he'll be here. And I was like, that's not normal dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. But at the same time, so after that first appointment, and then they send a little sheet home to fill out. And we talked with the psychiatrist and she's like, yeah, there's ADHD, ODD, just a smidge, OCD, anxiety, probably a little PTSD from all the psychological stuff that's gone on over the years with his mama. Mm-hmm. And she's like the the noises and oh the other thing the perception of reality was never factually based and for me especially the way I was raised I'm like my goodness your child has such a lion problem you know instead uh-huh. what it turned out being it wasn't necessarily lying it's his perception and she's like that's just part of it and she's like you just have to keep repeating the facts and sometimes they'll make it true and sometimes they won't but. For a while, they decided to not medicate. And by that point, I had done so much research trying to find out, okay, what what supplements and vitamins can we give to help? Mm-hmm. And we found some, and it was like night and day's difference. But he was not allowed to take them at Biomom's house. She thought that was a bunch of hokey pokey, you know, stupidity. Um, and he was recognizing, my stepson was recognizing how much better he felt. So he asked his mom, can I bring my pill pack over? Because I feel so much better. And she finally relented. um, But we found out the next time he came back to our house, she tormented him the whole time and told him how stupid it was for him to take those things and that those diagnoses weren't real. And he just needed to, by sheer willpower, have control over all those things. That is horrible. (laughs) It was hard. And she has to take medicine too. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's why we're scratching our head. We're like, we know you're on a handful of prescriptions. What in the world? These are natural things that aren't going to hurt him. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but um, during that time, when my stepson, we found he was actually fibbing about some things. He had been seeing the school counselor before my husband made an appointment for the psychologist. And they uh, were so concerned by things. They wanted my husband to call CPS. And my husband's like, nope, we're just going to deal with it ourselves. He said, I, I know that sounds like something his mom would do, 
but I have this feeling, you know, it's not quite that way. And it turned out he was, he was right. It wasn't exactly what his son was saying, but they were also upset. They're like, you know, the psychiatrist and the school counselor, like, yes, these things will help him. And they even that senior went to the pediatrician and the pediatrician looked at her and said, these are things that he needs. And it's essential for him. And she said, well, am I going to screw him up if I don't give it to him at my house? And they were like, well, no. So because of that, she doesn't need to go to her house. She might get an allergy pill or a vitamin C or um, or a magnesium, which I think one of the things I put on there is we have um, encopresis that we deal with. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like my last straw. I tried posting on, on the Nacho Kids Facebook page and I noticed things were starting to get a little crazy out there. <laughs> So, um, yeah, from the time I met my husband until this year or this last year, I guess, when I would come over, I would find like mirrors here and there mm-hmm. in the bathroom. And I thought, okay, seven years old. Hmm. And I would say something to, to my husband and he'd be like, oh, I'll, you know, whatever. He didn't think it was a big deal. Right. But then his son started having trouble talking about, I can't go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And we noticed around stressful events that that were triggered by Biomom, he would struggle so terrible to go to the restroom and to the point where he would like rip and bleed. I'm not trying to be dressed. Or no, no, you're, you're fine. Gross. No, no. And this is something real. And a lot of people don't yep. understand it. And mm-hmm. they think, oh, the child's just being difficult or... Mm-hmm. whatever and but it is a real medical condition and it is horrible yeah. for the child it is horrible for the family mm-hmm. because you're dealing with trying to help a child not have this issue but their mm-hmm. body works against you mm-hmm. it, it's like their body subconsciously is trying to control mm-hmm. every teeny thing in their life because their lives are so crazy out of control Right. And that's the only thing, that's the only thing they can control. They, mm-hmm. don't, they don't even really think about it. It just happens. Right. And so part, part of the supplement routine that we found worked for my stepson with the mental health issues was also adding magnesium in mm-hmm. and that kept him regular. Well, oh, okay. he says, yeah, he says he has a bottle of that at his mom. Sometimes she'll give it to him and sometimes she won't. And that's just, been a, a struggle for him off and on and we thought we finally got on top of it this last year and we had one more stressful event and I found like poop smeared in the shower and I lost it <laughs> I told my husband I'm like listen you have got to make him clean up after himself start teaching him to be responsible for this issue that he can't help but he needs to learn how to clean up after it because you don't you know yeah you don't want him to get embarrassed by it Mm-hmm. later on in life if it doesn't get resolved right so that was that was actually a point of contention with my husband and I for a while because I I was trying so hard to nacho that but for me it was like this is a cleanliness issue because it's being smeared in my bathroom and it can make places sick in, yes and it, it was that well my my husband was raised differently than I so if it was smeared in the shower he'd just like take water you know and rinse it down the drain and I'm like no 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 Yes, we need to disinfect. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he's like, well, that was, how is that different? I'm like, oh, so, and he took it as me saying, I think your kid's disgusting. Right. Is what he heard. And yeah. I'm like, and I had to explain. I was like, no, I don't think your kid is disgusting. Now finding poop smeared is, 
podcasting. <laughs> so uh, I don't care who you are. You know, even if my friend's kid came over and I found that, I'd probably say something to to my friend and be like, hey, <laughs> I, I love you and all, but hey, can you mind cleaning that up? So that that took a while for us to get over. But, you know, it took an entire year of nachoing. And eight months of that, I nacho supreme because things were so bad for us, so bad between my stepson playing families against each other, you know, with his perceived reality that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. I was painted as the evil stepmom. And what's strange is his whole family was like, oh, we're so glad you can step in and help him parent. And you can help with these things that we see as issues. But what it came down to is everyone was like, well, we want you to help, but not that way. We want yes. you to love him. We want you to love him like your own, but we don't want you to discipline him. Mm-hmm. But then in the same breath, they would say, well, we want you to discipline. And I'm like, oh my goodness, such severe whiplash. What do y'all want from me? <laughs> and they don't want you to discipline him. They don't. No, no, they really don't. They think that, but they don't mean it. <laughs> right. Well, uh, it's one of those things where, yeah, I want you to be the mom, quote, quote. And, but that means cleaning up after him, feeding him, bathing him, homework, mm-hmm. but not putting him on restriction, not taking his phone away. Right. So for five years, like I said, for five years, I watched him in the summers after school. I took him places. I was the enforcer of chores. I did all the things and it just kept causing more resentment on my part because what would happen is my staff would come home and he wouldn't want to put on his parenting hat because he's like, Oh, you've got it. You're taking care of it. Right. So, and when it's not your own biological kid and it's the, uh, a child that is hard, a strong willed child that's hard to deal with anyway, when it's your friend's kids, you know, sometimes that can kind of grate on you. But whenever it's like this neighbor that comes over with this never ending sleepover all the time, you're like, oh, my goodness, you start to get resentful. And I got to the point where I didn't even find my spouse attractive anymore. I was so resentful because he wouldn't parent the way I thought he would parent. Mm-hmm. He was parenting, but not the way I thought he should. But my resentment was more from I was doing all the things and he wasn't. Right. I'm like, you know, he's got a mom. Yes, she's over-involved and she's high-conflict, but she does love her son. He's got a mom. Mm -hmm. And you need to be his parent in this house. This isn't just come over to dad's and have fun. You need to take over that responsibility. Yep. So um, I didn't do anything for eight months. I didn't. I didn't do his laundry. I was not left alone. I kind of backed out of some family events where I knew he had manipulated certain individuals. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of did the slow fade <laughs> and um, to try to take the stressors off. And I noticed over time it, it really was working. But that saying it gets worse before it gets better is actually true. Yes. For for us anyway. I know we got a lot of wacky stuff going on, but I think we hit the six to eight month mark in there. And all of a sudden I started getting such terrible backlash from my spouse, my in-laws. My stepson, I I felt like even high conflict bio mom that it was because they felt like he was being slighted maybe or unloved. For bio mom, she wanted such extreme control. First, it was you're doing too much. You're not as you're not as mom I am. Then to well, you could do something, right? <laughs> but um, I I couldn't. Every little thing was used against me. I mean, the kid would sit there and mean mug me 
and do mm-hmm. things when dad steps out of the room. So I got to the point where if my husband, we have one bathroom, if my husband got up to go to the bathroom, I would either go to my room or I would follow my husband to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd, I'd just sit there and chat with him. He's like, what are you doing? Oh, I just, you know, how's your day going? Uh-huh. So, but you know, it worked. It's like I had to be prepared to hold my boundaries when they kept trying to push. And for my husband, it was, he had a stronger desire to have this nuclear blend than I did. I mean, I guess maybe I did at first, but that went away really fast for me because of, of what I experienced in overstepping. And mm-hmm. uh, my husband's relationship with my son is really great. So it was hard for him to understand why it didn't go that way for me and his son. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of eye-opening experiences and natural consequences that had to happen for everybody involved before they were like, hmm, you know what? It's not stepmom. It's actually the kid and the lack of parenting yes. before changes really started happening. And and that required, you know, stepson getting in trouble at school the entire last semester of school last year before bio mom and dad were like, hmm. Yeah, we really messed up and now we're trying to fix our mistakes and parent, but you know, he's at that time 13 and they're like, that's uh, almost too late to try to fix some of those things because mm-hmm. he is who he has been allowed to be. Right. But yeah, I think I skipped over a question you asked. Um, you said with my stepson having mental health issues, we found out that all of us have a little bit of stuff going on yes. in the process. Mm-hmm. So my stepson is getting therapy now on a consistent basis. Um, it's not scheduled by the parents. He actually is being his own advocate and saying, hey, I need help make me an appointment, which is great. Um, I mean, it's not as consistent as it should be, but he's trying to be his own champion, I guess, because he's recognizing that he needs help in those areas, which is good. Mm-hmm. But so the little forms that you get sent to fill out for these evaluations, mm-hmm. We filled them out <laughs> for each one of us at home on the side. And then I had some major health issues going on at the same time and had genetics things ran and got to talking with my side of the family. So in my side of the family, there's ADHD and autism. And I did not know that. I knew I knew we had like one obviously autistic child. But what I didn't understand is that there was high functioning autism in my side of the family. And it was kind of kept hush hush if you will <laughs> so uh that made it rather interesting um i talked with my doctor about some of the things i found out and he's like yep yep he said you've definitely got the markers for some adhd things and for high functioning autism he said and your son probably more on the, the autistic side like quirky mm-hmm. um we were always just told we were quirky you know There Mm -hmm. was no other word to it. And that's because we didn't know better. And then my husband learned that ADHD and autism also runs in his side of the family. And that was through, yeah, through talking to other people. So it was quite the eye-opening experience. And then then we did like the color code personality test for all of us. And we found out that we have the most difficult personalities to try and blend. On top of all of that, (laughs) I told my counselor and she goes, well, no wonder she goes, Honey, I told you you weren't going crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes. Now you yourself started having allergic oh, reactions yeah. to step kid coming. Yeah, I think it started in eighteen. I just I had some health issues going on, and I had to quit work. 
and um, it just kept getting progressively worse. I've had allergies my entire life. I've had some really stressful situations off and on through the years and didn't really think anything of it until I had to quit work. And I thought something's really going on here. But each time my stepson would come over, it just kept getting more volatile each week. He would come over up until, you know, we found nacho and started implementing those things. But I would start getting this anaphylaxis rash from head to toe that would show up predominantly around my neck and face. Mm -hmm. And I would be sick, so sick, not just itchy, (laughs) but I, I would be sick from the the response of my body. Benadryl wasn't touching it, nothing. And at that point, I ended up getting referred to a functional medicine doctor that was able to find things that regular doctors didn't. So my stress levels had been so high for so long, it triggered genetic issues that I'm predisposed to, but might not have come to the surface had I not been in such a stressful situation for so long. Right. So my doctor was like, well, because I, <laughs> I kind of gave him the short version of, you know, I'm in a blended family with a, a high conflict resistant stepchild. We've got these things going on and their eyes bugged and they're like, yeah, well, we need to get this under control and you need to find some way to manage your stress levels because your body is deteriorating. It can't take anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was to the point It was triggering me to break out randomly, not just when my septum would come over. It would start when he would come over. And then if I tried to go to the store or anything else while he was here, I would just break out anywhere I went. I I was stuck pretty well housebound because my allergies were so bad for about, oh, a year. Mm -hmm. I couldn't hardly go anywhere. And if I did, say a family dinner or church, I would have to pre-medicate so heavily I'd be drowsy and not able to really enjoy things. Um, And even then it it wouldn't keep the allergic reactions from happening. So I'm seeing more and more on social media that other stepmoms are starting to have some of these issues. Mm -hmm. And I just find it ironic. It's not that you're allergic to your stepkid. It's your body's allergic response to stress. Like your stress hormones are just so over the top. It's triggering your histamines to be out of control and everything else. But mm-hmm. I would encourage anybody who started having those kinds of health issues to find a good functional medicine doctor because some of my health issues that got triggered from it would be deadly if I didn't have medication. But I didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. Um, and they were able to put me on the equivalent of antidepressants and anti-anxiety stuff that's natural because I'm allergic to the, the chemical version. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's helped a lot too. But it just goes to show you that you can honest to goodness have physical reactions to your stepkids coming. Yeah. Yeah. No joke. The first time my doctors recognized what was going on and I came home and my husband's like, so what did the doctors say today? And I was thinking by this point, I had been nachoing for a little bit. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, how do I tell him in a nacho way? that I'm having an allergic response to the stress his child brings without offending him. Right. <laughs> you know, cause you don't want to say anything negative. Unfortunately with some of those things, there's some, some ways you, you can't exactly word it to where it doesn't cause like my husband was a little shocked and like, what? Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was hurt or if it was more of a aha moment, like, wow, it's that bad. Right. I think it's- a lot of his denial over, 
his his son's diagnosis or how it was affecting everybody was simply his frustration at not having the nuclear blend that he wanted. Mm-hmm. And in his mind, if he just ignored it long enough, then it would eventually go away. But it didn't. We know that. It just it keeps escalating until it's dealt with properly. Right. But my father-in-law and my husband, after my doctors were like, look, this is causing you, your body to go nuts. My father-in-law and my husband took stepson out to dinner and they do that on occasion right. just to have quality time. Mm-hmm. Well, over the years when behaviors would get excessive, my father-in-law seeing all of this, they live like a half a mile away from me. So seeing all of this, he'd be like, hey, he'd talk to my husband and he'd be like, you got to get this under control because your family is going to get ripped apart. You're letting a child run the show. You know, there's behaviors that are out of control. And then my father-in-law would also have a chat with my stepson and tell them how he needed to control these things, which we know some of those were choices and some of those weren't because Mm -hmm. of the diagnosis going on. I hope anybody listening knows that we don't ever (laughs) excuse behavior. Our approach has always been, we know there's some things that can't be helped, but it doesn't make it an excuse to treat people horribly. And he could still be held accountable for how he treats people. Right. And so... They took him out to dinner and my my husband and father-in-law had an honest conversation with him and said, look, you know, your stepmom is actually really sick. And it's because of the stress that she's under all the time because of how you're choosing to behave when you come over. And from that point on, he had maybe a couple of big episodes, but you could tell he tried harder. Mm -hmm. So um, it was helpful to a point. You did go see a counselor. Yes. And thankfully, that counselor was honest with you and told you that you were out of her realm of expertise. Yes. Yeah. She's she's great to go to for talking through some of the things that we go through. But when it comes to blended family issues, she's in her 70s and she has been a counselor like her entire career. So she's seen it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's very knowledgeable. But when it comes to blended families, she's like, hey, that's out of my realm. And you've got some crazy stuff going on because she recognized the signs of neurodivergence in our blend. And she wasn't trying to be mean. She's like, y'all, you do need help. <laughs> and yeah. You need to be tested. And because if you don't figure those things out, that's not going to be much help, you know, to get any other kind of therapies if you don't figure out some of these other things first. Right. And that. That really spurred me to dig deeper to try to find um, more resources. And I was honestly hopeless feeling when she first told me that mm-hmm. because I thought, oh, my goodness, who are we going to go to? Nobody around here specializes in blended families. Every right. center in, in the cities within an hour from our home, there was nothing, absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So that took me down rabbit holes down the Internet finding all kinds of stuff. And that's when I found like Laura Petherbridge, Mm -hmm. um, Heidi Farrell, Mm -hmm. Ron Beal. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when we first got married, I told you I I found some things on Focus on the Family, but I didn't find Family Life Blended for whatever reason. Right. I I don't know how I didn't run into it. But I thought, okay, well, I'll just apply all of these things from Laura and Heidi and Ron and it'll fix everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I wasn't understanding is my motivation to fix things and to have a peaceful blend. Everybody's expectations were different and all these other things were going on that were contributing and that really nacho is what we needed. 
I remember when I first saw your podcast pop up in my list of podcasts I might like, mm-hmm. I was like, what is Nacho Kid? <laughs> I kind of, I caught the name play and I thought, well, that's kind of rude. <laughs> A lot of people feel that way, but it's true. And it's, it, to me, it was funny, but <laughs> I guess I've got to wear I did. Humor. Oh, no, I giggled, but I was like, well, that's kind of rude. I have a twisted sense of humor now. I'm telling you, everything that I've been through in my whole life, and especially with this blend, the things my husband and I laugh about, some people look at us like, y'all are messed up. But mm-hmm. whatever. If we don't laugh, we cry. So. Exactly. And laughter is so beneficial. I do have one yeah. question before we um, wrap up. You had made a comment about there was a point that you found your husband less attractive because of his lack of parenting. Mm-hmm. How did you overcome that? Well, honestly, it was through the academy. I, I tried nachoing for a while just through the blog and using the Facebook group. And the longer I was in the Facebook group and the crazier I saw that it was and all these non-nacho advice going on, I needed more. So that's when I signed up for the academy. And I think I blew through the video courses very, very quickly. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think I wasn't one of those. I did it all in one day, but it was less than a week. I do know that for some of them. But what really got me was the boot camp. I I did the boot camp. My husband listened to some of the courses with me. He actually listened to the uh, For the Men Only. And that was like the biggest eye opener for him. And he shared it with his family. He's like, hey, you know, if you see her not with us, there's a reason why. You know, we're doing this. I am taking over the parenting because it's not her responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, and they did. They got it after he talked to him. Every now and then I'll have someone in the family well-meaning and they're like, well, I think if you just were more excited whenever they came over and you said you loved them, that that would help. And I'm like, this is the same kid I can't say hi to most days right. <laughs> right. without getting dirty looks. So no, that's not. Trying harder and loving more does not fix it. So think about it. If trying harder and loving more fixed it, you wouldn't be divorced in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes you need a little more than just Jesus. You need some education and you need tools to mm-hmm. be able to... Um, do the right thing. And it's not you that fixes it per se. It's just learning how to manage your expectations and stepping away all of the things. But my goodness, yeah, the boot camp helped me identify so many triggers. I'm so proud of myself the other day. I had been questioning, why does it bother me whenever stepson plays on his Nintendo Switch with my son and I hear him talking while he's playing? It just grates on my nerves. <laughs> but But when my sweet baby as you like to say, <laughs> will play with his best friend and they're talking and going on. I'm like, oh, isn't that sweet? Isn't that, that, I'm just so glad they're having fun. And it hit me the other night. I identified my trigger and that was, it was his tone of voice. He wasn't talking out loud and having fun. He was being mean <laughs> and complaining. And I was like, oh, so... It's not him per se. It's just what he's saying. Okay. So I learned how to separate the two. And I was just proud of myself because used to, I would just get mad, you know, annoyed and walk off and get busy doing something else and then be mad that I had to walk off and be busy because I was mad. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) Well, I'm very proud of you. And you will notice even more over time how you're able to look at these things differently because of what you learned in the Nacho Kids Academy and the boot camp. Oh, no doubt. I find myself just applying it to basic things in life in general because um, we have high conflict outside of our blend that we don't have control over. 
mm-hmm. and it really does help in learning how to not engage with things like the five. So, like I, I've, I've been able to teach my own son how to nacho. That and is awesome. It was, it was really hard for him at first, but then I noticed over time he wasn't taking the bait and engaging. Mm-hmm. He was learning to to walk away or just not even say anything and continue to do whatever he was doing and be happy and not let stepson's attitude or his thing just totally ruin his day, which had been happening. So that is going to help him so much in the future too. Oh yeah. The the tools are just so invaluable in the academy. Um, I've I've tried to encourage other people, Hey, you know, look at the academy. And I've had some friends that they'll start, but, They'll only do the first 30 days. And instead of doing the boot camp challenge, they'll get involved in the community or they'll do the courses and then just decide "Mm," to fall off because Mm -hmm. they either don't want to pay for it or they don't want to put the work into it. And um, it it makes me feel sad for them because the the same ones are still struggling or even splitting up. And I'm like, oh, if you would have just, if you would have just stuck it, stuck around and hung hung out and applied the the principles and really truly nachoed because so often I see on Facebook, which I don't follow the group on Facebook as closely as I used to. Finding good advice in that Facebook group is like finding a needle in a haystack. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, it's just not it's not the same and and trying to encourage others that hey, go to the source instead of all these other people who are Oh, well, I don't nacho that, or I don't nacho this way. Well, I just can't nacho that. Well, mm-hmm. you'd be surprised at what you what you can nacho if you learn how to do it right. Mm-hmm. You can nacho what you're choosing not to. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And and um, it's it sad to me that if you would just do that, some things can be salvageable, but not always. I mean, it takes two to tango. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's got to put forth the work and the effort. So, Well, and just, a lot of it as you know, is self-reflection. And some people just aren't capable of that at this point. Mm -hmm. They don't want to believe that they have any part of the negative parts of the blend. Yeah. But it does take work. Anything worth having takes work. Marriage is hard on a good day. Blending is hard on a good day. Yeah. You've got to put the work into it. And, you know, you've said some things here that just reiterate what I say that it's helped me outside of the blend. Mm -hmm. I am so much less stressed since I've learned to apply these tools to normal life. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And I can honestly say, let's see, am I a little over a year of nachoing? I think I I went back to like nacho light maybe (laughs) four or five months ago. So you know, slowly dipping my my toe in the pool of re-engagement as, you know, my steps and wants to. It ebbs and it flows. Some days are, are fine. Some weekends, he'll talk my ear off about stuff when his dad's in the room. And I'll just sit there, be a smiling bobblehead and be like, oh, yeah, well, great, cool. Mm-hmm. And other times, it's like you can just feel the tenseness off of him when he comes over from his mom's. It's like, oh, okay, things must have not been good. And we just have all learned to give each other space. Mm-hmm. And not take it personal that transition days are hard when you have the type of blend and neurodivergence that we do in the outside high conflict that you can't control. You just, it comes and it goes and you just roll with the punches. You've got to, or you're going to be so uptight and stressed all the time. You'll get sick. Trust me. Yeah. I did. <laughs> yes, me too. Me too. Well, stepmom on the crazy train. I know that we could continue this conversation for quite a few more hours, but we are going to wrap up. And if there's one piece of advice that you could give step parents out there that are struggling, 
what would that be? A good question. Well, you know, everybody likes to say, well, you know, just Jesus will fix everything. Well, yes, he can, but you need tools, you need education. And I would say to anybody that's even thinking about getting into a blended relationship to join the academy. And I'm not just trying to be a sales pitch here. I'm being honest. That Mm -hmm. would be my best advice would be join the academy, go through these courses, take advantage of everything out there because you're going to need it and wish you had it. Because if you don't, it's one thing to try to study and study and study. But then if you don't have the right materials that you're studying, it's useless to you. Yes, that makes perfect sense. It's kind of like we prepare so much for other things in our life. If we're going on vacation, we don't just jump in the car without our clothes. We prepare. Mm -hmm. Most of us make lists. Mm -hmm. So we need to put that same effort into preparing for the blend. And, you know, David and I, we felt like we did. Mm-hmm. but it didn't help us. Right. And and the other thing I would say is just because you have the right tools and you are doing the right things doesn't mean that it's going to be easy because everybody wants a quick fix mm-hmm. on everything in their life. And that's probably our instant society on everything, but you have to work. It's going to be hard. There's going to be days that you still get frustrated or maybe you take five steps forward and two steps back one day because your stepkids are just having an off day or they had a really hard time at their bio parents' house. You yeah, just, it's not you always about yourself. you. Right, it's not always about you. Give yourself and your stepkids some grace to not be perfect because mm-hmm. there is no such thing as perfection. And the sooner you come to those realities, the much easier it will be in your blend. Right, and remember how things are today is not indicative of how they're going to be in a year. Look how much oh, your blend has changed in a year. Yeah, there is so much hope. Um, what was it? I said something in our community. I was like, oh, my stepson's ad- advocating for himself. And someone else was like, oh my gosh, there's help. There's yes. hope. Yes. <laughs> it does get better. I'm like, yes, it does. It's just, it's a process. It's the, the slow cooker, all of that. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a process. And I am, I am really forever grateful for you and David. And I know it's not just you guys and what you picked up. I do understand Jesus finished your direction. Mm-hmm. And if we hadn't have found it, I don't think we'd still be together today because I wouldn't have left because I didn't love my spouse. It was just too hard and I was getting sick yeah. and I didn't know what else to do. Well, I am so thankful that you found us. And not only that, because you had to put the work in. Just because you yes. joined the academy, it doesn't fix things. You have to do the work. Mm-hmm. But if you That's want definitely. your relationship to work and you want to have a better blend, you're willing to do those things. Yes. Yes, you have to be. Mm-hmm. You just have to be. And now you are starting to help other people. Well, I hope so. <laughs> yes. Well, even you being on here is helping other people. And, you know, in the academy community, I see you help other people. Because once you can get to that point that you can breathe again, you're like, oh, let me tell them about this. Let me tell them that don't mm-hmm. give up. You know, so it's just it's right. encouraging. Yes, most definitely it is. Once once you figure out that it doesn't have to be as hard as what you see others go through, it's like you want to, you don't want to fix them. You just want to be like, hey, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be that bad. Yes, so. exactly. Well, thank you again for being a guest on our podcast. We really appreciate it. And we wish you the absolute best for your blend. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Well, keep in touch and maybe we can do an update in a year. Sure thing. Sounds great. All right. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. As you heard during our interview. At one point, the stepmom was finding her husband unattractive due to his parenting and lack of parenting for the stepkids. Poor husband. And you know what helped her? 
What helped her? She said it during the interview, David, if you'd listened. Joining the Academy helped her. Exactly. That's right. You heard me, folks. Joining the Nacho Kids Academy helps you bring sexy back. (laughs) We not only lower your stress and save your sanity, we make your husband sexy again. That's right. Lowering stress and increasing sex drive. That's what we do. (laughs) I probably shouldn't say husband. We make your significant other sexy again. How's that? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Because you might have a wife that ain't sexy. (laughs) Make everybody sexy. (laughs) Could you imagine that being like some kind of pill that you sell? Take this and make your spouse sexy again. (laughs) They They have that. that. (laughs) They already have that. It's called Xanax. (laughs) Is that what it is? Xanax or Valium, one of them. Morphine. Roofies. (laughs) <laughs> oh lord folks okay <laughs> i was gonna say budweiser does a pretty good job of that too i would think lord calvert would more <laughs> than budweiser all right let's not go down the alcohol list tonight yeah all right anything else david um no i think that's it um without us going off the crazy train <laughs> <laughs> oh we do have a special announcement coming next week so tune in. What is it? I can't tell you. <laughs> All right, then I guess I'll wait like everybody else. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, folks, that is our show for today. Thanks for listening. Join us next week as we find out what I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, for Lori and myself, that life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.